Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Well, good morning, fellas. We seem to be down a Jonathan and down a Paul. Where are those slackers? Well, you know, Paul is recovering from his uh, labioplasty. You know, uh, he, he had he had some labioplastic surgery, and he is recovering from that at this time. They, they both may be in the same state, which... I'm just going to put that out there. You know, but but what I find interesting is, you know, Jonathan sent us a note saying that, uh, you know, he wouldn't be able to record because he was, uh, you know, driving out. Of, he was going out of state to pick up a car. I'd like to point out Paul comes into the state. Jonathan leaves. <laughs> it's an it's an interesting kind of thing, isn't it? Well, that's <laughs> kind of the move that I wish I could make. <laughs> Paul wanders into Missouri. Wayne leaves. Exactly. Well, I just I find that interesting. It's it's kind of like a bug bomb. <laughs> <laughs> you got to leave the house while it fumigates for four yep. hours. Yeah, yep. got to go. <laughs> I'm going to get really high. It's yeah. really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. I can having having had uh, Paul as a sleepover guest at my house before. I can see that. Um, Did either of you really sleep while he was there, though? No, but was very tired the next day. Just saying. Paul Paul did say that you kept your pants on for the most part, and he appreciated that. <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> it was really a lot of heavy petting between the two of us. So, you know, because Paul and I share a love that dare not speak its name. That sounds grossly unsatisfying. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what is satisfying? What's that? Watching the numbers rack up on Robin D. Law's new Kickstarter. He uh, kickstarted his uh, Feng Shui 2 role-playing game uh, last Wednesday, and his goal was $8,000. And before the end of the night, it was already like over 56000 Today, when I looked at it, it was already over $75,000. It, it, it has been a blast just watching the numbers rack up. It's like the Jerry Lewis Labor Day t- telethon. You know, you just want to see those numbers roll. So my question, are the numbers racking up because of the product itself? Because I've never played Feng Shui. Or is it just because it's Robin Laws? I think it's both. I think that I think that there is number one, he's got a huge audience of uh, of you know customers. So there's that. Plus, uh, Feng Shui was, is really the, that role-playing game that kind of started that whole fast and furious trend in role-playing games. And he has uh, done a lot to redesign it. The the beta rules out there for Feng Shui 2 are already out. People are already playing it. Um, the artwork that they have generated for it uh, is pretty amazing. And it's one of those Kickstarters where it's not, you know, if the book is going to be produced, it's how cool the book is going to be once it's produced. Because they've already, they've already finished most of the... Uh, development of the book right now it's like you know that i think one of their goals was like if we hit over twelve thousand dollars it'll be a full color book instead of the first you know 30 pages being color so i mean they're just making the book more and more awesome the more those numbers rack up it's pretty wild one of the things i was really interested in is you know i was looking at the the numbers and i kick-started at the fifty dollar level which gives you the pdf gives you the print copy um but when I when I did the math, ma- the majority of people kicking in are kicking in well above that. I think you know we, the majority of guys are kicking in above the seventy five dollar level. It's kind of crazy, uh, you know how how passionate folks are about the game and about the uh, the talent on the game. Like Hal Mangold from Atomic Overmind is is involved. Cam Banks from Atlas Games is involved. You've got this kind of superstar group of folks participating in the development of this game. I think it's going to be fantastic. I, I'm really excited to see it. You know, how do we get that kind of money, Aaron? I don't know. Can we just lie about who's on the project? (laughs) Robin D. Laws is on this project with us. (laughs) Well, in fairness to we might be able to get that kind of money. We have never asked for money. You know, I I like to delude myself into thinking that if we did a Kickstarter for like Rainsboro or something, that we'd cross a million dollars. I predict we raise five bucks. (laughs) (laughs) This project will be funded if it hits five (laughs) dollars. I, I like to just self-delude that we we would have a million dollars in there, since well, we've never done it. No one can prove me wrong. That's fair point. Fair point. I will put a link in the show notes. If you're not familiar with it, go take a look. Uh, it's it looks to be a, a, a pretty awesome darn game. 
But you know what I think is also awesome, and perhaps super is Supergirl is coming to a television set near you. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean, Tim? <laughs> Supergirl was picked up by CBS. Yeah. CBS, the the station that our our grandparents watch. Right. You know, I, I think that maybe they'll retitle it as you know Super Matron. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I don't I don't have high hopes. Like I would have been happier if like CW would have picked it. To be honest. Yeah. Super shut in. <laughs> I want to be excited about it because it's Supergirl coming to TV, but I haven't heard enough information to tell whether I'm going to be excited or not. Because will there be a costume? Will there be any tie-in to Superman at all? Well, you know, there's no there's not enough details yet. Yeah, I've heard all I need to hear. Well, you know, yes. Uh, well, Ber- Ber- Berlanti is on it, who uh, you know was on Smallville and is you know associated with Arrow. Oh, so I was gonna say was on Smallville. I'm like, I don't know where we're going with this, yeah. but I don't think it's very good. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, there were certainly episodes of Smallville I enjoyed, but you know, overall, I didn't care for it. But I gotta say, they're doing really, they're, they're doing the Lord's work over on Arrow. You know, Arrow is a strong show uh, in its second season. So, um, you know, I'm willing to, to give it a shot, but I, I just I'm not sure that this type of programming does well on on uh, the three broadcast network television uh, channels. Um, we Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., for instance, not anywhere near as good as the stuff we're seeing over on CW. You know, no, but at least at least ABC have a little bit of hope. Hopefully ABC like. You know they have some they have some good shows. Yeah. Uh, nothing, you know, not, you know, no great shakes. But yeah, I like Agents of Shield. It took a couple of chances that I wouldn't think that ABC would have taken. But uh-huh. CBS, uh, you know, C- CBS does a lot of shows that I just don't watch for the most part. NCIS, CSI, I, I don't watch any of those. L-M-N-O-P. But I know they're really popular. <laughs> I do watch Big Bang Theory. I love Big Bang Theory, uh, which I know puts me on the outs with a lot of uh, Uh, the geek community. A lot of people in this podcast. That's right. That's right. I can't can't abide that show. No. My wife loves Elementary, and that's on CBS. I like Elementary, uh, and, and I like The Good Wife. Um Oh yeah, that's that's not a bad show. Yeah, the Good Wife is 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 a is a well written show, but I you know it's not it's not the demographic that tends tends to be drawn to CBS that I'm concerned about. It's the fact that it's CBS. It's the fact that you know network television doesn't give stuff generally an opportunity to breathe. You know, if you've got three million no. viewers on the CW, CW is tickled about that, but those numbers don't don't you know, do it for uh, CBS or ABC or NBC. They've got to have millions and millions and millions of viewers. And I fear that a show like Supergirl just isn't going to bring in that crowd. Well, Not unless they were going to struggle to come up with four or five good shows out of their entire light up. That's also not a good sign either. You know, I've got a coworker who, you know, she said, Hey, did, did you, did you watch 60 minutes last week? And I'm like, and I'm like, no, I'm not 90. <laughs> I mean, I think Morley Safer is an animatronic puppet now. I, I, I don't think that he's actually a human being. <laughs> oh, that's that would be awesome if they actually did make him an animatronic puppet, though. Then I would start watching it. Uh, no, nobody used to see that show. And then, you know, and then all the reporters could be Muppets. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 gold here. I'd be down for that. Is it just exactly. me, or is there, is there a lot of like stuff that's happening shortly as far as like comic book stuff well, on TV? You know, you got Gotham starting this week, which yeah, I'm, that looks terrible. I don't know. I'm kind of half excited about it, though. I will say, you know, we, we've got a uh, a uh, television in the break room that runs the you know news channel all day long. And, uh, you know, I, I went walking through there and, you know, it's CNN in the afternoon and they're advertising Gotham. And I'm like, really? Is this their audience? That's a lot of crossover there. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I'm not sure how Fox is spending their money, but I, I'm not sure that the <laughs> CNN crowd is uh, it, it, just, is really who they're, who they're looking for. Can't you just see the 80 year olds watching that and going, oh, it's the guy from the OC. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just imagine some some guy sitting in his uh, in his office watching the news ticker going, huh, that young Bruce Wayne. That's a show I need to watch. 
Yeah, see, personally, I haven't seen any of the trailers yet for it, and I've been avoiding news around it because I'm going in knowing it's Gotham. That's all I need to know. I'm going to watch it and give it a chance. So I'm going in kind of no expectations at all. Well, I'm 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 I am cautiously excited about Gotham. I like I, is is this going to be a podcast requirement? Do I have to put this on the DVR? It is mandatory viewing for next week's uh, podcast. I'm just telling you right now that you can't be in the treehouse if you haven't watched Gotham next week. Oh, for Christ's sake! Okay, hey, I've given you a pass on Sons of Anarchy. I'm not giving you a pass. Hey, on this. hey, I'm catching up. Hey, I'm hey, I don't want I don't want to hear your whining. You know, you're not committed. You're you're not you're not you're not MC. This, you know? is one of you, this is one of his fault. <laughs> so, Tim, just to make sure you're uh, you're ready to go after that for future requirements, the Flash. Uh, that's October seventh, so that's week after next. Which I, I'm I got to tell you, the Flash. You know, kind of like you, Wayne. I, I have been kind of avoiding uh, uh, spoilers on that one, but it looks so hot. Agents of Shield comes back this week. Oh God! Uh, Arrow okay is October eighth. Yeah, yeah. Constantine comes at the end of October, you know, right, just in time for Halloween. Uh, I'm hoping guys... that one's not a requirement because I don't plan on watching it. No. Are either of you guys watching The Strain? No. I don't even know what it is. It is based off of the comic book, and it's a horror comic, uh, kind of a, a retelling of the vampire myth. Using some of the Stoker story, but but you know really with the serial numbers you know filed off, um, it's a Guillermo del Toro production, and so it is, there there is very little subtlety <laughs> in the production. You know the uh, vampires seem a lot like the vampires he used in uh, uh, Blade. You know where their you know their faces open up and the big you know projectile thing comes out to you know drain your blood. But wow, uh, that. That doesn't sound appealing to me. It is. Uh, I, there are parts of it I like. There are parts of it I hate. I I cannot stand uh, the main character's name or nickname. I just it, every time they say it, it irritates the shit out of me. His name is Ephraim, and everybody calls him F. And I just I'm just like that is the stupidest damn thing I've ever heard. And I just want a character to acknowledge that. You know, calling you F is stupid. <laughs> I'd really like that. So they haven't picked a date yet, but uh, yeah, one of the shows I'm really excited about is the Agent Carter one. Yeah, that looks like that's going to be pretty good. I'm just amazed they're actually going to give this show a chance. I mean, yeah, it ties in with Marvel and the movies, but it's kind of out there compared to some of the other shows they've tried. Well, you know what I like about it is that it's a 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central show, which means it might be a little bit more grown up than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. I, I, I think that that's really got some promise. And, you know, if they if they really throw themselves into the, you know, 40s and 50s era of uh, the Marvel Universe, that could be a whole lot of fun. You know, and you're mentioning the strain. The zombie show I might give a chance to is iZombie. So I haven't read any of the comics. I have not either. But this is going on CW. Yeah. And they did such a wonderful job with Arrow. But then again, they also had like Vampire Diaries or some of those other type shows that I just <laughs> never would watch. Uh-huh. So it, I could see it going either way. Yeah, you know, and before too long, we've got the Netflix Marvel series coming. So we've got, you know, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and then ultimately the Defenders. Um, I think those are due out late 2015, early 2016, but they haven't published a date on those yet. And then after. After that, at some point, Powers was picked up by PlayStation Network. Well, and I, so I think that means you and uh, Wayne will be able to see that because don't, don't you both have PlayStation? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have yeah. a PlayStation. But I also <laughs> don't do PlayStation Network. I don't do like a subscription or anything. Oh, is that a fee? If it's part of PlayStation Plus, it is. My guess is that's probably what it is. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't think they're going to give this one away for free. I'm curious about it because I've never read Powers and I've it's been on my list of things I want to read. You know, I I have bought the uh, first volume trade paperback on that, and it's you know it, it is lovingly drawn and well written. It's a Bendis book, uh, and I you know I do like uh, make Michael Avon Oming's artwork, but I just can't get into it. There's something about it where I, I've tried several times, I just cannot get into that book. 
but I'm looking forward to it on TV. You know, maybe maybe it's a property that works better for me on television than it does in print. Yeah, see, I have the first trade, but I haven't even tried to read it yet. I have uh, I've mentioned the comics cabinet my wife had made for me a couple years ago. Uh-huh. I have one drawer that is just trade paperbacks that I've bought over the last uh, six months to a year that yeah. I haven't got to read yet. Yeah, I I keep a uh, a long box of stuff that you know is waiting for me to read. Generally, waiting for vacation for me to take take with me. But you know, the, the nice thing about Powers is beyond the fact that you know Brian Michael Bendis is involved in the production of it. You've got Charlie Houston as uh, I, I believe he's the showrunner, uh, and Charlie Houston is both a comic book writer as well as a novelist and extremely talented. Um, so I, I've got big hopes for Powers. I think Powers has a has a real strong chance if I ever get to see it uh you know it being on the playstation network suggests that uh, it will at least be a delay for me to get to see it mm-hmm. yeah I, I know they're doing a walking dead spinoff too that one's for amc but i've been avoiding the details on it because i am behind on walking dead by like a season they're all on my dvr i yeah. just haven't watched them yet well i will tell you that last season was particularly good i really enjoyed last season so yeah, you've got some good tv ahead of you and I think it starts up again in October. I've taken to for at least a couple shows. I let a whole season build up on there, mm-hmm. and then I marathon watch them. Yeah. And that's a show that's really good in marathon watching. So Jonathan Hickman's Thief of Thieves, you know, Jonathan Hickman wrote The Walking Dead, and he writes a whole bunch of other stuff. Not Jonathan Hickman, uh, uh, Kirkman, uh Richard. Robert Kirkman. Thank you. <laughs> I'm getting my I'm getting my creators confused. Uh, but Robert. You smell Kirk- toaster. I do. I smell toast. <laughs> delicious, delicious toast. Um, but you know he he wrote Thief of Thieves, which I gotta say was not a book that impressed me. It was not a book that grabbed me. But it, and it did very much seem like I'm writing this for a television pilot, you know. And uh, sure enough, AMC is picking up Thief of Thieves. So. Yeah, I don't really. When I read it, I was not. I, I didn't think it was bad, but it didn't. It didn't grab me as something I'd want to read. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it is a good time for Kirkman though, because he's also got uh, Outcast was picked up as well by Cinemax, and that should yeah. be interesting. You know, as I, I've never read Outcast, I don't know anything about it, but it's a Kirkman book, and it's picked up by Cinemax. Yeah. So it's probably going to be good. Yeah, it's a it's a devil show. He the the main character of Outcast has been plagued by possession since he was a child. Now an adult, he embarks on a journey to find answers, but what he uncovers could mean the end of life on earth as we know it. So, you know, there's that. And, you know, I imagine if it's going to be on Cinemax, we'll get to see some skin. So, yay for that as well. But, you know, one so, of the I'm sorry, go ahead. I say one of the shows that I'm really looking forward to that I've been following the uh, all the news on. There is a manga I re- read called Monster, uh-huh. and HBO picked it up, and it's being done by Gilmer Guillermo. Wow, Guillermo, I can never Guillermo, pronounce this right. Guillermo del Toro, that guy. Yes, yeah. that guy. Oh yeah, that guy. And it's uh, <laughs> the the manga is incredible, but it's one of those shows. It's one of those mangas where there's no real sci-fi. Yeah, it's just a lot of drama and a lot of thriller and a lot of action. And hearing that it went to HBO really gives me hope for it because yeah. it's the exactly the kind of twisted show that HBO could do well. And the uh, the creator, his name's Urasawa, is on board for the first season at least to make sure that it sticks to the story. So I've been excited about that one for the last uh, year since it was initially announced. Well, uh, one of the things that I was initially excited about in terms of uh, comic properties coming to television is uh, uh, Jonathan Hickman's Pax Romana, which is is a fantastic book. And you know, a lot of, of uh, Hickman's indie work like Pax Romana, Nightly News, uh, uh, etc., you know, do lend themselves, I think, strongly to, uh, you know, uh, a television production. Um, but I'm disappointed to see that this is going to sci-fi. And I think for the most part, sci-fi is, uh, has ruined a lot of really good shows. Um, I, I can really only think of a couple of shows. I think that sci-fi did well, Battlestar Galactica, uh, Stargate universe. Um, I'm drawing a blank on anything else. I say Battlestar Galactica, they really stumbled on the ending. 
you know, the, 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 the BSG ending doesn't bother me like it does other people. It doesn't keep me from watching the show. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I know you liked it, Wayne, but I did not care for their production of uh, the Dresden Files. Yeah, it was one of the – I don't know that I would have liked it if I would have read the books first. Huh. But that was what made us go out and get the books. Yeah. But I'm, Aaron, I'm, you got the name wrong. It's Siffy. Oh, stop. Siffy. <laughs> well, and also going there is, is something like that Syphilis. God. <laughs> also going over to, to Siffy is uh, uh, a show I think that, that you're interested in, Wayne. Yeah, Clone. I, uh, I've read the first few issues of the comic and I enjoyed it. So uh, I, this one is one I'm going to be watching closely. It's being produced by Kirkman. So that immediately bumps it up in my eyes as well. Yeah, and, and, and the Sci-Fi Channel is actually producing, you know, claiming to produce or developing a couple of other shows that the properties I'm really interested in, I'm just not so sure I'm interested in Sci-Fi producing them. Uh, Ronin, uh, which was the Frank Miller comic from back in the day. Um, I love, love, love that story. Um, it uh, it uh, it concerns me that Sci-Fi is producing it. You know, it's kind of a, a futuristic samurai uh, story, but uh, ooh. I'm concerned about sci-fi. And then, you know, more my concern comes in for Siffy. Letter 44. Yeah, I, you know. I was so excited when it got picked up, and then I found out it's Siffy. Well, and I had originally heard that USA was developing Letter 44, which, you know, had me excited because they've done some good work over yeah. there. And, you know, sci-fi is owned by USA. Um, but damn, I just, I... I'm I'm not encouraged. Just well, not. it also it makes me worry about what their focus is going to be, because letter forty four. A lot of what was really interesting about the first arc isn't any of the sci fi aspect of it. Yeah, it's the politics, the interpersonal relationships, the drama, with the sci fi just being the setting. And I find that sci fi shows on you know on the sci fi channel. They get that part wrong. They yeah. focus more on the sci-fi and not letting the sci-fi just be the setting to drive a story. And this letter forty-four is a story. Yeah. So you know there are a number of other properties that are attached to other networks, but are you know uh, very very early in development, like Scout, Our Man, Preacher, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. If you can believe that. Uh, That's one that I think has potential. And that potential is either to be awesome or craptastic. I think it could be awesome. You know, I think that that, uh, you know, if you use the movie as an example of what not to do, <laughs> I think you could make that movie really awesome. But, you know, I, I would take a page out of the Penny Dreadful uh, uh, series on Showtime, I believe, yep. which which is fantastic and tells similar type stories. Um right. Aaron, did you see who the writer is of the series? I did not. Michael Green. He wrote Green Lantern. Oh, he was a writer on Heroes. Oh, and he was a Smallville writer. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. See, yeah. but, um, if, if I'm raising an eyebrow, it's it's on Preacher. That's the one I want to see. Is it? Yeah. So, you know. I just, well, I and it's on the right station. It's on AMC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I say AMC has the track record right now when it comes to dark shows. Well, lots and lots of stuff coming. So, you know, uh, I know that, Wayne, you're a little concerned that, uh, you know, we might get burned out on superhero shows. I keep hearing people say, do we really need another superhero show? Do we really need another superhero movie? And I keep saying yes, because there's so many more properties I still want to see. But I'm seeing the first indications that non-comic book people might be getting burnt out on it. And that's my big fear is that with all of these coming out, is this a bubble that's about to burst? Because I want more. I, think, I want them to keep going until I've seen all of the characters I want to see on a screen, whether it be movie screen, TV screen. I, I like having both. I think that but, we, yeah. we have to stop looking at it as, oh, it's the new Spider-Man movie. You know, I, I think that that we have to look at it as it's a genre and what's what's less important is the character as much as it is. Is it a good story? You know, and as long as we're telling good stories, I think that people will continue to go. Um, I, I think that that where we run into problems is when you've got when somebody thinks that Catwoman is going to sell the show and then you've got Catwoman. 
Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you've got you've got to have a good story. You, you, of course, you've got to have good production values, but you also got to have a good story. And, you know, that's what we saw about Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I think that's a terrific example that, you know, if you've got, you know, a fantastic story and fantastic uh, uh, production that it doesn't really matter um, that they're superheroes or not, or that people know who they are. People will go because it's fun, because they're entertained. Um, and I think that's, that's part of the value of some of the lesser known properties going out is that there's not so much expectation. I, th- I feel like Spider-Man continues to get crowded by the fact that he's Spider-Man. You know, people yeah. expect a certain experience from a Spider-Man film. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful if you could just have Spider-Man as part of a cast of characters of an Avengers movie, you know, or a team-up movie or something? I guess what I want to see going forward from the uh, the big companies is it would be really nice if just Marvel could be the only one doing movies. Yeah. And that means not, you know, stop. Well, I guess I give a pass to, to uh, the X-Men movies because they've been really good lately. For the most part, yeah, like First Class, Wolverine, yeah. those were all those were really good. Yeah, so like I, I'll, I'll give them a pass. But other than that, everyone else needs to stop making the movies because <laughs> DC has some really horrible movies that they've made out there. Well, I don't know that they're going to be able to make any more Wolverine movies because you know Marvel's killing off Wolverine. You guys read all about it. Yeah, even my wife is reading this. You got your wife reading The Death of Wolverine? Yeah. She's a Wolverine fan, but she doesn't read the comics. And uh, she she's read a lot of the older comics, but like me, she just doesn't like what they did to Wolverine by give, making him uh, too powerful with the healing factor because it kind of kills all tension in stories. So when uh, when this series started, she's uh, she saw the first issue, and she's like, they're killing Wolverine? I'm like, yeah, they're killing Wolverine. Well, I want to read those. Well, tell me about it. How did, what does she think of Death of Wolverine? She's really enjoying it, and I am too, because this feels like an older Wolverine story to me. I the the main thing, and we talked about this on the first one, is the art. the The art is just phenomenal. Yeah, I I loved every single panel on this book. Um, you know, it's got a lot of the tropes that I remember back when I was a kid, as far as reading some of the Wolverine books. Especially as to who shows up at the end of this book, I was so excited. And it is because... one of my wife's favorite characters too. So she also, like, I was excited. She was really excited. She only has a handful of X-related characters that she likes, mm-hmm. and two of her favorites are in this book now. Yeah. So the story goes that somebody's put out a hit on Wolverine, and Wolverine's in like the worst state he's ever been, as far as. The healing factor's not really working, so there's a lot of ways he's going to die because, you know, metal in your blood, typically not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, Being at uh, Hiroshima, not a good thing. Yeah. His, uh, his, the adamantium actually is holding a radioactive charge. So if he lives long enough, he'll die of cancer. Right. Not that he's going to. Right. <laughs> so, you know, people put hits out on him. He's fought through a bunch of crap. He, f- he found out who put the hit out on him. And so he goes to Madripoor to uh, cut to the chase, basically. And that's the story uh, of, this, so, of this specific issue. I did have a problem with the story in this issue, Tim. I don't know if you, uh, you had the same issue. Sabretooth has a healing factor on par with Wolverine's when he had a healing factor. I can't buy that any poison runs the risk of killing him. Uh, well, if there's any poison that's going to do it, it's going to be from it's going to be from her, you know. Oh, uh, words escape me. I say Vi- that's viper. I say that's you know, I don't like giving away that that it's viper. But yeah, I even from viper, I just have a hard time believing that someone with that level of healing power would be at risk from it. Eh. <laughs> I'm okay because it introduces Sabretooth in a way that allows him to walk off the field, basically, which is what happens. You know, uh, the, the, I, I mean, I think that was where it was. Flashback cage. I say, I love the oh, flashback yeah. cage where their Wolverine is remembering all of his fights with Sabretooth over the years, mm-hmm. including the one uh, right around the age of apocalypse 
where he put his claws through his brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. This, you know, it's treated like an event book. It, it's drawn like an event book. And it's hitting a lot of the tropes, a lot of the beats that I would want to see. I would want to see Lady Deathstrike. And I would lo- I would want to see the person that shows up at the end of this book. Yeah, and I'd want to see Sabretooth. Ha- yeah. yeah, he had to be in there. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many more they're going to hit that I need. I mean, it looks like they're going to go to Japan, which is going to be another beat that I need to see. Wolverine and some my, more cherry blossoms. Yeah. The one my wife really wants to see is uh, Jubilee show up. That's probably not going to happen because she's terrible. <laughs> well, and that's the problem is Jubilee when yeah. showed up. She might, my wife might actually be disappointed by her appearance because it's not the Jubilee that she remembers. It's Wolverine. It's, it's vampire Jubilee with a baby on her hip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't need. I don't need that Jubilee of this story. Nobody needs any Jubilee. <laughs> Jubilee is a poor substitute for what we got. Uh, so I was very happy. You got to remember time frame wise, though. Jubilee is the intro character for a lot of people for X-Men. Oh, yeah. No, Paul, I, uh, I think Jonathan is a big Jubilee fan, which makes yeah, and no my sense wife is three years younger than me. And that's that's her intro character was Jubilee because she was the character they used on the cartoon in the 90s. And around that time when she saw comic books for the first time, that was the character that was following Wolverine around. I don't so, want to yeah, spoil. I don't want to spoil the end of this, Wayne. But like to, to talk about my Wolverine nostalgia, I would have to mention who this is. So I, I guess maybe I'll just leave it alone. But suffice it to say, in the eighties, that 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 miniseries is one of my favorite miniseries. The the Wolverine miniseries. All right. So spoiler alert: the, the Frank Miller, Chris Claremont. No, no. So spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler. Uh, the Wolverine Kitty Pride oh. in the 80s yeah. was a glorious story. Like, I thought it, it provided a lot of depth to the mm-hmm. Kitty Pride uh, character. It showed a, a glimpse into what Wolverine dealt with in Japan. It was a really good book. She so. has always been one of my favorite X-Men characters as well. Yeah. Just such an understated power that they write so well. Yeah. So, love it. I love this book. So, um, did you love the price of it? See, okay. So, I want to talk about Death of Wolverine four ninety nine separate from everything else for a minute. <laughs> you've got you've got a you got a special cover. You've got a, a mini series book, and it's drawn this well. I'm and Wade's paying for it to be honest. But even if he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I I would I would I wouldn't complain too much about that well, specifically. And they threw special things in there. Like I don't need the director's cut stuff at the back that's showing you scene by scene uh you know providing more details. Not something I need, but I know some people like that. I liked I liked the picture like they showed this is what I was originally going to do was him like with the shaved head. I'm like, "Oh, that's interesting." But then we went with this. It's like Okay, that was cool how they went, you know, back and forth a little bit. But yeah, they they put extras in here, and it feels like it feels like something special. Unlike everything else that's four ninety nine that Marvel put out this week. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I said I don't think I bought another book. That, actually, I take that back. I bought Superior Spider Man thirty three. It was four ninety nine, but all of my Marvel books were only three ninety nine. Tim, uh, Avengers. 35 was five dollars i should just start set on fire (laughs) um i I picked it up for one specific reason i got a panel with no explanation for what i was looking for and now thor is a little different too because thor was supposed to be the, the the final issue of like actual thor that i give a shit about and they treated it sort of like an annual so you got a couple different stories with some of the art well we'll talk about thor but in general I could see some of these things being 4.99 and maybe not being okay with it, but understanding. But it seems like they're just slipping it in there just enough so that by you know December everything will be that price. Well, yeah, you know what I'm I, saying. And that's the same thing they did with 3.99 books. You know, yeah. they 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 started off with their their you know big hit books and you know made it seem a little special that you know well okay I'll pay 3.99 for this cuz it's a little special and then the next thing you know all their books are 3.99 um what bothers me about the jump from 3.99 to 4.99 is back in the day 
um, you would have incremental change. You know, it would be if it went from uh, 35 cents, it went to 40 cents or if it went from 25 cents, it went to 30 cents. now we're seeing full dollar jumps. You know, we didn't have a, an interval. We didn't have a a you know four dollar and twenty five cent jump. We had a full twenty five percent increase in the cover price. And I'm sorry, we're not getting an increase of twenty five percent value. And I'm also sorry, inflation hasn't jumped that much over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's you like know? when I started getting comics on a regular basis. There were still a couple of 99 cent titles. Those were rare, but they were still there. There were a lot of $1.50 titles, and then they went to $1.75, then they went to right. $1.95, right. then $1.99. And I remember at the time thinking, man, they're going to go over $2 someday. Yeah. Well, and what, you know, like for instance on Thor God of Thunder, uh, including the cover, it's 31 pages, right? Um, and typically, uh, 3.99 comics are between 22 and 24 pages. Um, what concerns me about that is that they're they're giving you a little bit more page count to say, well, you know, that's the reason why it's 4.99. But all they're going to do is get you comfortable with that 4.99 price, and then take you back to the 22, 24 pages. And hey, I didn't feel like, and we'll come to to Thor, God of Thunder here uh, in a bit, but. I did not feel like I I would have chosen to purchase those extra pages. No, no, because I know which pages they were and they sucked. Yeah. So and and I gotta say, you know, in the four ninety nine books that I have been exposed to, um, I don't I don't feel that that the value is uh, is aligned with the increase in price. The really sad thing about the increase in price is I think it means a lot of people are going to be cutting books, so they're going to sell less books in the long run. And one of the reasons that I think prices have have gone up originally, back when it was smaller increments, Mm -hmm. was because the readership went down. Shrank, yeah. So, yeah, so you can't get the same, you know... Basically, the more you make of something, the cheaper you can make it. Right. Well, you get I, bulk discounts and you absolutely. get things like that. That they're probably losing some of that, but that. No, I, I, I think I think you're absolutely that. right. They're they're trying to squeeze more dollars out of a smaller population, um, you know. And Marvel feels like they can do it. I mean, I don't think that that anybody else is experiencing this success that Marvel is, where they can take their premier properties and you know crank up the cost on those. But let me tell you, it's had exactly the effect you described, Wayne. I have made some deep cuts to my list. You know, there's a yeah, there is a big difference between. Three ninety nine and four ninety nine. Uh, you know, like uh, yeah. st- stupid big. Yeah, it, it, it is. shouldn't it's be. Huge. It, well, but I it is. A, I have a real hard time reconciling a five dollar price point on a single floppy comic, and I throw uh, floppy. There, there we go. Yeah, I, I, I throw floppy up in quotation marks because I buy mine digitally, uh, and even even that I expect a greater value because well, I'm not actually getting something physical. They've been doing more like seven ninety nine books lately too. And it's like those I just well, shake my head at. And, I, and, the, and the crazy thing about it, Wayne, is the like that Detective Comics book, that seven ninety nine Detective Comics book, sold yeah. like gangbusters. It was huge for DC. And so people are thinking that, well, if those things will sell, we can continue to inflate these prices. Well, let me tell you how um, I was picking up just about all the Avengers titles. I was getting Avengers, New Avengers, Secret Avengers, Avengers World, Avengers Undercover, Avengers After Dark. Avengers oh. just for you. I mean, I'm very sorry. <laughs> well, I've cut all those back because, you know, if if the book that I want to read is going to be 4.99, I'm going to have to make some other cuts. So, you know, Oh yeah. Out of the Avengers line, I've dropped to Avengers and New Avengers. And I got to tell you, when Hickman's done, I'm probably off of those books. And I'll t- I, I, and it's not because I don't think that the next storyline will be good. It's because the way Marvel franchises their storylines, I know that if I'm in Avengers, it's going to have its tendrils into eight different titles, and I don't need that kind of grief, you know. So I'm as soon as Hickman resolves the storyline that I've been in since the beginning, I'm out. How would you so, like to be somebody that likes to read event books, like when Axis uh, comes out and it's going to touch 
eight different books and you're paying five bucks each. Yeah. No. Or uh, or in my case, Edge of Spider-Verse. Yeah. The Spider-Verse yeah, books. I plan on getting all of them because this is an event that it really is almost tailor-made for me. So well, and- in that, with that in mind, I'm going through my list and I'm paring things down now because yeah. – as this happens, I'm going to be getting miniseries. I'm going to get tie-ins, and I usually don't do that for big crossover events. But Edge of Spider Verse is, like I said, it's like it's custom made for me. Mm-hmm. It hits all the right spots for me. So I'm going through and seeing what do I want to cut, and it just so happens this is the perfect time for me to do that. Because uh, so my my local comic shop was a comic shop called Comic Headquarters, and recently the owner passed away. And the guy was, so he was one of the nicest guys I've ever met, one of the most carefree guys. And this came as a huge surprise to everyone when he died. It was out of nowhere. You know, he was a fairly healthy guy. So my shop is closing down. So I'm going to be, I have a comic shop much closer to me. I've talked about comic shop loyalty countless times and how I go much further than I needed to just to get to the shop I wanted to. So right now, I don't have a pull list. So I'm having a hard time getting some of my books. And I'm going through trying to figure out what does my new pull list need to look like at my new shop that's much, much closer to me. And as I'm going through that list, I'm making the, uh, the hard look at every single book that I get you know, in a month and trying to decide, do I really want to keep getting it? And there's a lot of books that are getting the cut just for the sole reason of I'm going to spend a ton of money on Spider-Man this year. Mm-hmm. There is there is one floppy that I get that is worth the the 4.99 price point and that is. And it's not it it's Knights of the Dinner Table mm. because it's more of a magazine than it is a comic book. Like I can't look at a Marvel book I'm getting right now that's that's a regular book that's worth yeah. 4.99 to me. Yeah. Well, and that's the, I that's the other thing Tim is uh, when I go to my to the new shop, they get a lot more indie titles that my shop didn't carry. So they were my backup to get those titles. Those are going on my pull list now. And I'm more likely to find some of those. And I'm not seeing the really high price points on some of those titles. You know, There are some of the small guys can't reach the same price points. but I, I do think that, that the third-party publishers are less inclined to raise those prices. You know, I think that Image has held the line. I think Dark Horse has held the line. Um, I think that, you know, the only reason DC hasn't jumped those price points is strictly for the fact that they don't have as many top selling books as Marvel does. But they'll get there. Um, you know, the, I, I got to give DC credit. I'm not buying any of this Future's End stuff. I, I refuse to pick up any title except next week there is one title I might get. But they have their big 3D covers that I have no intention of of getting that I don't like, but they also are publishing the exact same book with a normal cover for a dollar cheaper. Yeah. But you know, like yourself, I've not bought any of the futures end books. And so I have enjoyed a, a, a great reduction in my DC cost. Um, I think I bought exactly one DC book this month and that was the uh, justice league book that we talked about, I think in episode two fifty. but I have also made some cuts over at DC. I am no longer reading Batman eternal. Um, I, I, I gotta tell you, I, I like the idea of Batman Eternal, but have not enjoyed the execution of it. And, you know, quite frankly, there's a, there's very little Batman in a weekly Batman book. Which was uh, fine for me when I started getting it because I was getting it for spoiler. Mm-hmm. There's very little spoiler in this series as well. Yeah, no, it's... The, the, the law of unintended consequences is telling me that I need to stop buying monthly. And I need to save my money because if, if you get, let's say they're doing a, a, a six issue run on a on a, a floppy that's going to be nineteen ninety nine, that's less a significant amount less than buying it at four ninety nine each week. Well, and the, each and month. Here's the sad reality: is that I, I'm right there with you, Tim. There are a lot of things where I'm like, eh, I'm going to pick that up and trade. You know, I do that with Uber. I don't buy the Uber single issues. I wait for the trade on it. Um, and there are other books that I do that with. Hellboy, I do that with. Uh-huh. Um, but I, 
we we participate in a weekly podcast, so you know it's kind of requisite that we talk about weekly books. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, if I wasn't on this podcast, I don't think I'd pick up single issue books because the sad reality is is that when they're collected, not only is are you talking about you know somewhere between four and six issues in, in that in that you know combined trade. It's cheaper because you can get it on Amazon for sometimes as much as forty percent off, you know. So I, you know, it's screwing it's on the shelf better too. It does fit on the shelf better, and it's screwing your brick and mortar. You know, if if the if we're trying to keep the brick and mortar stores alive, stop making reasons for me to go buy them elsewhere. And I feel like that's what they're doing. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there, and I. I buy a lot of the books I buy when I buy them and I make sure I get to the shop every week instead of going like every other week or something because we do a weekly podcast. And just for sheer fact of I'd pick pick up less stuff off the shelf if I went every other week, I spend more because I do that as well. And when we talk trades, it's I can't remember the last time I actually bought a trade except for Walking Dead at a regular comic book shop. Because I've got a half price books around here. I've got other places where I can get them on sales or deals. Or there's a couple of websites I go to to buy really cheap trades. Well, I ha- I, I bought a trade this week. I bought uh, Injustice Gods Among Us Volume 2. Oh, I buy trades all the time. I just don't buy them from comic shops. No, I can no, get them yeah, cheaper. Yeah, absolutely. I buy them at sale, on sale at the comic shop. Oh, Volume 2 is out? Nice. Well, volume two, and they're getting ready to come out with season two, volume one. So, mm. yeah. And I, I don't know if you're are, – are you just reading that solely in trade, Tim? Yep. Holy shit, season two is good. Good. <laughs> I won't ruin anything for you, but and I know we don't talk about it on the show very often, but Injustice continues to be one of my favorite books. Good so. deal. Okay, so I think we have bitched about how much money we're spending on comics enough. Uh, get off my lawn. So uh, let's talk about something happy. Let's talk about something bright. Let's talk about something that's going to bring the joy back to funny books, and that's Thor, God of Thunder, number 25. Tim, go ahead and spread the flower petals. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. So, you know, we expected this to be a, a thunderous, rumbling climax to a Thor God of Thunder, because this is the last issue of this series. This is it. Yeah, this, this is this it. Was, I mean, for me, this is it. Yeah. And so I wanted to read the story about how he lost the hammer, because right. that's the only thing that's that, that's that's the end. You right. know, and, no, <laughs> it, it's 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 treated very much like an annual. Yeah. That, that said, I thought the Malekith story was kind of good, Aaron. No, I did too. I, I, you know, who would have thought to tell a Malekith origin story? Yeah. That's why I was yeah. kind of marveling. I was like, I can't believe nobody thought to do this before. Yeah. Kind, you know? kind, of, kind of a good, kind of a good one. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's all in this light green. It's, it's very creepy. I, I liked it a lot. Well, um, and I, and, I, and I loved, I loved how, you know, Malekith seems like a good guy for a while there. For half a second, <laughs> for a page and a half, yeah. you, could, you could feel a little sorry for Malekith. Right. And then he gets his revenge. It's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, the, how he takes care of uh, the betrayal that he experiences as a small child. And I don't want to spoil anything because it's a whole lot of fun. It is. Uh, I, I, I really liked how that turned out. I really, really liked how that turned out. Um, and then, And then we got the Viking story. Well, and you know what I think is wasted. The the Viking story could have been told in a page. You know, I think that the four ninety nine price point on this book allowed it to bloat because literally everything you find out on. Whereas the Malekith story needed all of those pages. Those pages were exquisitely produced and the story expertly told. I did not feel like you had the same benefit out of the Viking story, you know, where you know young Thor, pre-Hammer Thor, is uh, leading a, 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 a uh, several boats of Vikings to fight frost giants in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Sure, it teases a future story, which I'm rather intrigued by. But really, did we need more than a page, page and a half of that? Is there anything that happened in those pages other than the last panel that no. needed the space? And I, I don't think there is. And I think that it was, hey, 
we're going to fill up an extra seven pages in this store in this book. Let's go ahead and tell this ridiculous Viking story. Whereas I would have been much happier seeing more with the Girls of Thunder. Yeah. You know, I mean, I love the Girls of Thunder. We've seen so little of them, you know. Uh, I would have loved seeing more of that. I, I, you know, I, I got to say, I get a kick out of Old Thor. As, you know? From someone who get doesn't pissed. hasn't read yeah. the book, what? who are the Girls of Thunder? Uh, Thor's granddaughters. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? And we've seen them, you know, but we never get to see them do a lot. And no. I just, I really get a kick out of it. And, and they're... You know, they are immature. They are, you know, each of them is so very different from the other. They're just, they're very interesting characters, and I'm intrigued by them, and I want to see more of them. And so far, we've gotten very little, and I fear that they're going to get lost in the mix as we move to to the uh, new uh, female Thor. Uh, <laughs> so, to Tim, this wanted... might pain you, but I'm jumping on board with female Thor. Oh, dying I'm buying fire. the first issue to give it. <laughs> Now, Aaron, you know, Aaron, you want to hook me on female Thor? Yeah. Have one of the have one of the the uh, the daughters of Thunder be female Thor. Uh-huh. Have her come back through time, and then I squint and think about it a little. Sure. If they did that, happened. I would buy the trade paperbacks of the stories leading up to it. That's not what they're gonna do. No, that's not. But, I I just know, but it's also not going to be Angela, which thank thank, thank God. God. Yeah, I was really concerned that it was going to be Angela. But, and that would have been terrible. I will say, you know, I like Jason Aaron, and I love that, you know, the 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 concept of this issue of Thor, God of Thunder, is that the girls of Thunder are in the Asgardian library. Uh, Thor requires that they spend a certain amount of time every day studying. And so what they do is they read the old tales of Asgard, which is why we, we see the Malekith origin. We see this, you know, tale of Thor as young Thor fighting, you know, with the Vikings fighting the, the frost giants. But they pick up this one book that is chained up, you know, the, the, the whole thing is chained so that no one can open it up and they, they break the chain and the title is called Unworthy. And, you know, it leaves us with that last panel of Thor on the moon, unable to lift Mjolnir. Um, and it's a beautiful panel. I mean, I, you know, I'm like, God dang, that's the story I wanted to read. Um, but, you, but you're not going to get to read that here. So did you read that original sin piece of crap, Aaron, right? That was yes. you? Yes, that was me. What's Thanks. this Nick Fury bullshit? Like, there, I'm reading I'm reading the end here with Jason Aaron, something about something that uh nick fury said to thor it might be the cause of why he can't pick up the damn hammer anymore did well, that happen well there was a there's some whispering going on and yeah. uh we, we it wasn't revealed in original sin okay so you know that something happened but you don't know what it was let's let's also talk about the fact that isad ribbig is leaving yeah that's going to be rough because that he sucks. has yeah because he draws like a motherfucker I mean, he, it, he is fully 50 percent of why I liked some yeah. of the stories. Well, you know, we, we talked about it, you know, from, you know, God bomb to, you know, where we are now. Jason Aaron writes this book like it's heavy metal rock and roll. I mean, the, 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 it, it, this book is so metal. Uh, you know, the volume is turned up to 11. You walk out of it. You can barely hear yourself talk. <laughs> I mean, this book is hardcore. And. You're absolutely right. A, a gigantic piece of that, a huge mouthful of that is Esad Ribic. I mean, Esa, yeah, he rocks the fuck out of these pages, nope. and I, I, it breaks my heart that he's leaving the book. No, he draw he draws it exactly like like one of those Valerio paintings. A lot right. of times, yeah. it is it fits perfectly. Yeah. And you know, Jason Aaron's writes that this is part of his vision, which I call fucking twice ground bullshit on okay i am sure that's not what he was told when he first got on this book by the way we need to do some marketing bullshit yeah i'm sure that's not what happened so jason aaron has earned a lot of bank in my book with what he's written but you know without isad ribic and what they're doing to my favorite character i yeah well, I'm, yeah. I, I'm on yeah. for Thor number one. Depending on how they execute, I might not be on for Thor number two. Exactly. I'm giving Thor number one a chance because yeah. I am curious about the story. I don't expect us to find out who the female Thor is in issue one, though. I think no, they're going to keep either. that mystery for – it's going to be the first story arc yeah. before we find out who she is. Yeah, yeah well, uh, you have fun with – you guys have fun with that. I'm right there with you. Oh, you'll hear all about it, Tim. 
<laughs> so, uh, all new X-Men number 32. Welcome to the X-Men, Miles Morales. Hope you survive the experience. It's like they're, it's like Joe Quesada is standing in front of Tim and just kicking him in the balls repeatedly. <laughs> Fuck, fucking shit. You know, this is the three ninety nine book. Yeah. And I was very happy, and I and I've loved this book so far. And I, you know what? I think I blocked it out of my mind, like it was a bad dream that oh, they're going to be in the Ultimate Universe. And then I bought this book, and I read it, and went, oh god. <laughs> yeah, get, get your all new X Men out of our Ultimate Universe. Oh my god. I uh, I dug this book. I enjoyed this book a great deal. However, I felt like it was ten pages long. It read so fast. Because nothing happened. This is the story I don't think anybody was looking forward to. It's the team that's trapped outside of their own time, now trapped outside of their own universe. I gotta say, the thing that I... I I enjoyed the book. I did. Um, And I also enjoyed, you know, where where, uh, Hank McCoy... You know, the beast, you know, uh, human looking beast as opposed to blue beast um, is he uh, lands in the ultimate universe. And they're all all the the old X-Men or or young X-Men, whatever you want to call them, are, you know, dropped in the ultimate universe at different geographic points. And he's like he appears on a beach and he's like, oh, I think they're speaking Turkish. I must I must be in Turkey. And so he spends some time trying to figure out where he is in Turkey and can he use a phone. And the one thing that he understands is you're a super person. Super people come here and die. And he's like, I think I must have misunderstood you. And it turns out he's in Latveria as all the doom bots are surrounding him. I thought that was an excellent page. And I'm not sure what's going on with that because doom's dead in the ultimate universe. Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. Have you been reading Ultimate FF? I have not. I uh, see. You, you can't say that you know these things when you're not reading the full scope of the Ultimate Universe. But we saw a thing crush his head. Or did we? No, we did. Or did we? We did. Or did we? See, I, I win. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares about this book. I, I have to be honest. Nobody I'm, cares at all. <laughs> well, I I really got a kick out of it. I you know I I understand your guys' frustration, but I enjoyed uh, this issue of All New X Men. Well, like, I, I like to... I did like Miles in the book. I thought, you know, he was uh, decently in character. His interactions with Jean Grey are what I would expect. I'm getting pretty tired of Jean Grey in the book, though. Yeah, no, I, she's wearing me out as well. I I think there's a three drink minimum in a lot of bars. I think I have like a three comic book minimum in this podcast, and I I don't think I'm going to make it anymore. <laughs> this is another book that I'm not going to buy until they get out of this stupid universe. Well, if, if you don't enjoy the universe hopping, you might not enjoy Edge of Spider-Verse. Yeah. Because we're we're hopping all over the frickin' multiverse. Yeah, that sounds, and, uh, that sounds obnoxious as hell. It is. I am enjoying this this series <laughs> so much, Tim, because I love the, like, the what-if type stories. And Edge of Spider-Verse, while it's tied to the, uh, the Spider-Verse storyline... These are more one-shot lead-up stories. So it's taking the characters that are going to be a major part of the series, and it's telling a story of them in their world. In the case of Spider-Man Noir, they didn't bother doing the because he's had that already. He's had multiple miniseries. So in the uh, for the first one, you know that was just a new story with him. For issue two, the Gwen Stacy Spider Woman one, we get her origin, you know, and the story. I really enjoyed the first issue with the Spider Man Noir. I, I, I thought that was a, a whole lot of fun. I liked how how that tied into uh, this ongoing, you know, crossover. But I really hated the Gwen Stacy Spider Person. So I didn't hate it, but I was disappointed in it because I expected so much more. And you know, I. Still- I- I love the costume. I liked her interaction with her father, but for the most part, I I thought she was going to be an older character. I guess. Yeah, I uh, I did not care for the art direction on the book. I didn't care for the design of her costume, and I think maybe that's what works so well for me on on Spider Man Noir in Edge of Spider Verse number one is that you know they've had time to kind of test that design and work it out, um, and and maybe that's what what happens here. But I. 
I'm not a fan of the artist on the Gwen Stacy book. Uh, the I'm scrolling over here to see who the artist is. Uh, it is uh, Robbie Rodriguez, uh, and I just I, I did not care for the artwork. I just the the artwork seemed flat. Um, there and I uh, I completely agree with you there, Aaron. I like the costume design a lot, mm-hmm. but I didn't care for the art in the issue too either. And I think the reason why you like the costume design is that she's kind of wearing a hoodie, and we know how you are about the hoodie. That uh, is true. That's a big reason why I like the costume <laughs> is the hoodie. Yeah, but man, I, the, the the writing on it and the the artwork just irritated the tar out of me. Now it's not so so irritating that's going to keep me out of the next issue because, uh, like yourself, I'm enjoying the the Spider Verse books. But I'm disturbed. Yeah, I really wasn't paying attention to the checklist. I was just reading The Edge of Spider-Verse. But apparently I need to buy the uh, Superior Spider-Man books. That's where the story is actually happening. So damn it. So (laughs) far. So, like, one issue I had with the uh, the Gwen Stacy Spider-Woman story, they never explain her webbing. Does she have organic webbing? I'm assuming so because she didn't invent a web formula. That's what it seemed to me. But if she got bit by the spider that Peter was supposed to be bitten by, how come everyone except for Peter gets organic webbing? Because Peter sucks. Even his clone has organic webbing, but he doesn't. Because Peter sucks. Well, and Miles doesn't, so that that at least is consistent. Well, yeah, I, I I was kind of intrigued by the Union Jack-looking Spider-Man that was in the shadows at the very end of the book. Yeah, I like British, that. British Spider-Man. <laughs> I like that design, too, to be honest. Yeah. I, was, I, was kind <laughs> I of, think that was pretty cool. I was kind of intrigued but by that. What you're, what you're missing out on in Superior Spider-Man is the war. So Superior Spider-Man, uh, the Doc Ock Spider-Man has a base of operations in 2099. He's recruited an army, and he's gone on the hunt for the thing that's going universe by universe, killing Spider-Man. And that's where the fight is actually happening. And he's built this whole army of, you know, they all are specialized Spider-Men that do something different. And then he's got his core Spider-Man that are the killer Spider-Men. And he's, uh, he's even acknowledged that at some point, the rest of the team will likely turn against them because they are the killers. And it's it's been really good. It's, it's nice to get that Doc Ock Spider-Man back again. Because it is the right voice for it. It is the egotistical, arrogant Spider-Man. And he's so frustrated because out of all of these universes, there's all these Peter Parkers, but there's not a single other you know, Doc Ock Spider-Man that he's found. Hmm. So he can't find what he thinks is an equal. Well, I'll pick it up. I'll let you know what I think. So what's coming out next week, guys? Not a lot, actually. Well, I think there's a lot of books. There's not a lot that we care about. Okay. So because not because we're not doing the Future's End stuff, that basically wipes out most of DC for us. With two exceptions. Uh, Superman Doomed number two comes out next week. Ugh. And I know Paul's been reading that one. I have too, and I'll, I'll finish it up just because I'm that guy. Yeah. I've I, I dropped <laughs> off of everything Superman until Doomed was over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The one Future's Edge book I might actually pick up, Booster Gold Future's End. I got to tell you, you know, Dan Jurgens is writing that book. Uh, and, you know, damn it, I, was, I, I felt like I was a fish and got hooked. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> exactly, because yeah. I haven't bought anything Future's End. Yeah. But it's Dan Jurgens writing Booster Gold. Yeah. I was excited when I heard also the uh, the Justice League 3000 series that's been going on. Yeah. The Booster and Blue Beetle are showing up over there. Yeah, but it's going to make me buy that Justice League 3000 piece of crap. But the Booster that's showing up is not the new 52 Booster. I know. He's old 52 Booster. Exactly. He's the Booster from uh, Giffen and Demodis's, uh Justice League International. So I'm... I might give that an issue or two. I haven't read a single issue of the Th- Justice League 3000. I read the I don't first know, issue. And I, I don't was, know anything wasn't. about it. But Booster well, Gold and Blue Beetle are showing up. We do have re- uh, written reviews on the site about Justice League 3000. So if you want to catch up, uh, check out the site. So for Tim, Cyclops number five comes out next week. And Aaron, Boy. I loves me some Cyclops number five. For me, Edge of Spider-Verse number three comes out. I'll be and, there with you, Wayne. Yep. And Letter 44 number 10. Woo! Well, it sounds like another uh, savings week for me. (laughs) (laughs) 
So uh, I can't wait for some of these uh, Spider Verse miniseries to start. I uh, I'm really looking forward to probably more than anything I've looked forward to in comics in the last two or three years, the Scarlet Spider title. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it as well. So uh, on the feed right now is Knights of Rainsboro Season 3, The Reign of Ironclaw, Episode 2. So check that out. And uh, coming up next week is Episode 3. Very exciting stuff. Episode 3. Yeah. Trying to see where in the, in the, in the crab sandwich that was again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. You have a good week. All right. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.